Hi there. This is Daniel Schwarzman, co-host of A Positive Jam, a podcast that breaks down the Hold Steady's classic 2004 debut album, The Hold Steady Almost Killed Me. Today we're covering track four, Most People Are DJs. I join my co-host Mike Taylor on this episode. As a reminder, he sounds like this. I've been to Ybor City. Here's why this track matters. This is our first flat-out party jam. We get into why it's so fun, including on-the-ground insight from Hold Steady's Nirvana, Ybor City. We talk about why Ybor City and Florida are so central to the Hold Steady's universe and ethos. We also figure out what Phil Linnett has to do with the Hold Steady in 2004, the efficacy of just cutting off the track, and what the recurrence of porn in the Hold Steady's lyrics might or might not mean. Climb onto the party boat and let's push offshore. Mike, most people are DJs. Everybody's a critic and most people are DJs. Track four on Almost Killed Me. Yeah. Fun track. Bouncy. You described it as bouncy. You're coming off. Last week, we talked about the idea of positive jam is sort of a lot of stake setting. It's serious, even if it's everything the whole city does is kind of fun, but it's setting the stakes that this matters. The swish is let's rock out. And then Barfruit Blues, I made the sense that they actually take it up a notch there. It's really getting into the music. It's a little bit, it's not just straight four to the floor, but it's still a pretty epic and sort of ripping song. And then here, even though the guitars come in pretty hard, it feels like there's something lighter here. It's a little, I don't know. There's something that is more of, it's just more light. That's all I can say about it. It it just, it doesn't seem like there's the lyrics we can get into. There don't, doesn't seem quite as much of a a battle going on it's still full of references it still has good one-liners etc but it doesn't feel like quite as much of a, a serious lyric as the other tracks and yeah just something about the rhythm here even though there's as we'll get to pretty epic guitar stuff going on and everything else it just feels a little bit more of a bouncy song that's how yeah. i come at it we're at the party that's how they start you're up to your neck in sweat and wet confetti there's porn star references jet skis the good ship uss sexuality this is a fun we're in a fun time here so i agree i it always felt like a i that always he mentions the ship and it feels like you're at a you're on a like booze cruise or something yeah exactly i think that's where we are here you're swaying a little bit. It's not the steadiest drive, either because you've drunk too much or because the captain on the ship is not taking it too smoothly, whatever the case may be. But that's my feel here. Skipping off the good ship. sexuality. Searching for the Martian with a five-second delivery. Like you mentioned, Positive Jam is kind of this grim, world-historic, backward look. Swish is about kind of being in this experience of trying to find good parties. Barfruit is kind of getting the band together. And then most people are DJs is like 
let's enjoy the the fun side of this sort of rock and roll degenerate lifestyle. It's really fun. A Positive Jam is brought to you by Retro Gear Shop. Retro Gear Shop offers a unique selection of high-end musical instruments, recording equipment, and audio gear, and is sold to everyone from Pete Townsend to Arcade Fire to Wilco and more. Check out Retro Gear Shop at RetroGearShop.com and see why it's the premier high-end musical gear shop. Retro Gear Shop. Maybe now is a good time for me to, I've been to Ybor City. We should say this is our first introduction to Ybor City. I don't have the Lifter Pullers lyrics downloaded in my head right now, but I don't think Ebor City is a lifter puller scene. I think this is our Craig Finn introduction to Ebor City. You've been there. Tell us about it. I've been to Ebor City. One of my best buddies from college got married shortly after we graduated. He's from the Tampa area, and the wedding was in Tampa. The bachelor party was the night before the wedding, and we went to Ebor City. You actually went out in Ebor City. We went out in Ebor City. And you knew the Hold Steady at this point. Yes. A Hold Steady fan at this point. So I was pretty excited. In fact, I remember lobbying to go to Ebor City as part of the bachelor party plans, but I wasn't the best man. I was just a, you know, I was in that ideal spot of being in the wedding, but having no real responsibilities. It's a good spot. It's a good spot. I love that spot. That's my favorite spot. So the agenda for the bachelor party, no body behavior, no Rocco Sofredi action, no jet skis, no getting light in the heady. In fact, fairly tame evening. But we went to the Seminole Hard, Hard Rock Casino, which is in Ybor City, and we gambled for a few hours. And then we went out to a Dave & Buster's. Oh, well. Where they had... $5 Corona buckets and unlimited video games. And we just got completely hammered playing like all those games like Area 51 or Cruisin' World that like you would see in when you were a kid and you never get past level two and you spent like five bucks. We beat every game from my childhood while getting progressively more ripped on Coronas. Which I feel like that has some of the spirit of most people are DJs. You know, we didn't get deep into it, but we enjoyed the warm weather and had a good time. I went pretty hard at the wedding the next night as well. We went, <laughs> we ended up skinny dipping in like a group of like 10 of us went skinny dipping in a hotel pool. And it was one of those hotels where the hotel is a tower that like wraps around the courtyard. And so the courtyard is like centrally located and you're in this like panopticon if you're in the swimming pool. We made so much noise that there were like security guards shining super bright flashlights from like various floors of the hotel down at us. So I like made full good use of my status as a member of the wedding party and lack of responsibilities. You might say that that was one of the first impacts that Hold Steady had on your life then in terms of sort of fueling my Ebor City de desire. Yes, my motivation to really get everything from Ebor City that I was supposed to. Yeah, good town. 
I was also, I was recently in Tampa and I just want to reference quickly. I was in St. Pete this time visiting the same friend and we were just there to kind of have a chill weekend. But a couple of my friends were talking to me about this song and they were like, why Ybor City? And Craig Finn in interviews, I think has basically said that he thought it was just a cool sounding name and that it had this reputation for being a party zone. You mentioned there's actually more than one Ebor. Map corner. So here's the basic Googling here. If you search for Ebor City and just kind of look at it on Google Maps, you will see there's Ebor City, there's historic Ebor, VM Ebor, and then just outside of the redlined area that Google calls Ebor City, there's also Ebor Heights. And then the quick facts include that there is a central Ybor mall, which offers, quote, indie fast food. I didn't know that fast food could be indie, but okay. There's the Ybor City State Museum. There's Gabor District. Ybor, of course, is spelled Y-B-O-R. So very easy to make that Gabor City. Yeah. The third letter is just right there waiting (laughs) asking for the first two letters. It was, I, and now furthering my research by pulling up Wikipedia, Ybor City was unique in the American South as a successful town, almost entirely populated and owned by immigrants, apparently Cuba, Spain, and Italy specifically. Oh, maybe that's where they made the cigars. Cigar industry employed thousands of well-paid workers, helping Tampa grow from an economically depressed village to a bustling city in about 20 years. I remember stories of some people's family members working in the cigar factories. So yeah, that that jibes. That's the sort of historical background. I don't know whether Craig Finn really got into whether he was like, I need a town with a heavy cigar industry exposure or it's not going to work. I don't know if he was going that far with things, but to explain to my friend who was asking like why Ybor City, I think beyond the fact that it rhymes, which I think is something, or that it has a cool sound, which is obviously a motivator for Craig Finn in writing lyrics. It's also, I was just down in the Tampa area, I was in St. Pete, and we were having a relatively relaxed weekend, but we did go out to like a tiki bar somewhere near the beach, and there was this bar band playing there, kind of this like bluesy band of five or six piece with these young performers in their early 20s, I think. And there were a lot of townies and drifter looking people around. I met this woman who was probably in her 50s who just had moved to Tampa from southern Illinois. And I was kind of like, she was staying with friends, I guess, and was just one of her first nights out trying to get established in Tampa. So what I told my friend, I have a workable theory that because there's so many retirees and it's Florida and the weather's nice and there's people are looking for stuff to do, there's a lot of these sort of night spots where these sort of semi-amateur bands can perform. And the vibe just had a very much of a kind of hold steady, last waltz, bar band, working band ethic to it. I think you combine that with the sort of party central vibe of Ebor and I kind of get why Tampa of all places would fit into this 
geographic scape that Craig Finn has put together. Yeah, I hear that. If you look at genius.com and search for Ebor City, there's one song by JJ Gray and Mofro titled Ebor City. But I know where the ladies are sweet as one. When I get to But then for lyric matches, there are five total lyric matches, three of which are Hold Steady songs, two of which are on this album. So Craig Finn like owns this town as a song lyric image. And I think if you think about, let me go back to a more business analysis of this. Craig Finn seems to have a good eye and ear for market opportunities where he can be the leader in the space. And so somewhere like Ebor City, <laughs> Minneapolis, I mean, in terms of lyrics where Craig Finn is going to drop lyrics, he's really ahead of the curve. Oh. You get really oh excited God. then. And I then wonder how he'd want, respond. As we're trying to feel a stake in authentic places, who wouldn't want to shout out, how did you get down here in Ebor City? I'm being facetious a little, but it's he just, you know, Shaker Heights and the Swish or Wherever, you know, it's that's he's got an ear. Yeah, he's got an ear and a sense of the imagery. Also, let's keep in mind this comes right after name dropping the band name again, Hold Steady, Ybor City. So there's just something that sounds what he says right at the beginning there sounds like something you would say from the stage. And then it takes a while, but when we get back to the end of the song, we have that bridge section where all these kids they're looking like lambs looking up at me towards the end of the song we're just talking about all the kids who are falling in love in clubs tonight i want to come back to that more but yeah it's he's got the perspective of somebody coming up from the preaching from the stage and so i don't know it doesn't explain why it would be ebor city but it does provide some interesting context as well one more thing on my sort of having been in this area a little bit my buddy rented a boat and we just drove around in a boat, just like Rocco Sofredi. It was really quite an experience. You get out on the ocean, but there's also these coastal waterways that are sort of in between islands or in between islands in the mainland. We're blaring like Guns N' Roses, ACDC and like turn of the century Jay-Z and all those like stuff that was hot when we were in college and we're cruising around and we're wearing like Hawaiian shirts and swim trunks and we occasionally roll by. There's actually a college campus that's on the water and there are like all these students in like swimsuits, like sunning themselves. And it did have this kind of otherworldly party feel. Now I'm 36. So I'm, my time for that is kind of past. We, I did pop a couple uh, Trulies in the boat. So I had a good time. <laughs> so I think that's actually, there's actually a, a good thing that you prompt there is when you think about hold steady landscapes, isn't Florida, do you have to be in Florida? I mean, think about, you know, the stereotypes of the Florida man or whatever else, but also I've been living mostly out of the States for the last decade or so. So I don't know if this is still the cliche, but when we were in college, you spring break in Florida, like, yeah. girls gone wild from the last song, you go down to Florida but you don't go to Tampa, I don't think. And that's yeah. what makes this even buddier. <laughs> you don't go to Tampa. You go, you to, go to Miami. Yeah. Key West. Yeah, Miami. And so the fact that a hold steady character 
would be partying in Tampa. Of all it's like the second. Yeah. They're always on this like lower tier of a little grimier, a little worse, a little knockoff. I mean, that's a thematic thing of Shaker Heights, Newport News. These are all sort of unfamous, potentially uninteresting places or places that people wouldn't think to go to. So I guess Tampa kind of, yeah. Right. That's what my, not that I was formulating this well, but my face earlier point, joking about market opportunities. It's more about, yeah, getting to these places that (laughs) are not, that are off the beating. I mean, do you know what you can get? a three bedroom condo for in Ybor city. <laughs> yeah. He's a real estate broker. Just reading about Ybor city. I, I, I'm, I'm you're so thinking about it. <laughs> regretful that I've not been there. I really, that I mean, it sounds like a really VM stands for Vicente Martinez Ybor, who was a prominent. So Spanish cigar manufacturer. So Vicente. Oh, so there's actually, the city is named after a cigar tycoon. That's that sounds right. I mean, it's it now a city within the confines of Tampa, but yeah. Nevertheless, a company town. Wow, Ybor City. The music here, I don't have a lot. I I want to. I think the the guitar. It's really sort of a jam opportunity for Tad to rock out on the guitar. In listening back to this and listening to their other records, I wonder how much more polished this song would have been if it was written for one of their next two albums. Because I think by then they would have they would have been tighter with some of this stuff and they would have had more going on. I don't think they would have just let the last two minutes go as a guitar solo. But then I always find it interesting when a band purposefully does something that makes you sound like you think that there might have been a mistake the first time you hear it. In this case... They just cut the guitar solo off and then go into certain songs. I always thought that was interesting. I don't know. Did that impress you when you first heard this, that, that guitar solo and that, the way it, the song ends? I'm of two minds about it. I already told, I, we talked, I think the Swish, I sort of put a hot take out that I didn't think it ended very well with the Tuscan Raiders. And then you guys more or less convinced me that I was off base. But I think there's something about this sort of unconventional approach to songwriting that they maybe paint themselves into corners a little bit and the endings become more difficult because they don't have a chorus to just sing one last time or coast into an outro. On one hand, I think the abrupt ending is kind of like what just happened. On the other hand, if you think about I don't remember whether they've ever executed it this way live, but it would be really cool to watch a band performing a song and then they just stop on a dime. So that is interesting to me, but I'm not really sure that that's, I don't remember. I think live, the times I've seen them, it's just been, it does the Tad solos and solos and solos, and then it just kind of fades out. So I don't know. When you look at the song structurally, I think its purpose is kind of, you set the scene, then you build into these two climaxes of we're tiny white specks on a bright blue planet, we're hot soft spots on a hard rock planet, and then everyone's a critic and most people are DJs, the title line, the sort of thesis of the song that there aren't that many originals out there. Being a DJ is bad, you're not playing your own stuff. And then after that second climax, they let you down gently with this softer, gentler, 
thing. I think it ends well. I still feel pretty sweet is one of my favorite lines. That's the last line of the song. And I don't mind ending the guitar solo. I think the abrupt stop, I'm not sure. I think it's a fine choice, actually. I think I come down pretty, pretty good on this one. If you think about the, if this song is about something, I think Barfruit Blues, and we said how you compare the songs, if you pair them, Barfruit Blues, I'm back in a bar band, you're still in the bar, or vice versa, it doesn't matter. Music bruises us, but we're kind of still going through it. I think this song's more about don't let other people bring their stuff in, worry about what they say. Everybody's a critic. Most people are DJs. Everybody's playing their own music. Don't worry about that because at the end of the day, or night, as it were, dawn, you have a thousand kids falling out in love in all these clubs tonight, another thousand kids gushing blood, but they won't get all that much sleep, still feel pretty sweet. It's like, don't worry about somebody's going to try to try to get a little bit heavy here. Somebody's going to try to tell you whatever they want to tell you in the kitchen corner of the kitchen and don't worry about other people's vibe Mm -hmm. that's sort of what i if i if i want to try to surmise a message here looking backwards from the doctor to the drugs from the packing to the taxi to the cabbie to the club a thousand kids will fall in love in all these clubs tonight a thousand other kids will end up rushing blood tonight yeah, I think it's like this is fun. If you just do your thing, it's fun. It's fun to party. It's fun to rock out. Don't let don't let chicks corner you in the kitchen wearing berets, especially if they can't understand that. Look, we're just some warm bodies here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's just a very much like it's in a, in the moment. Let's have fun song. Maybe that's partly why it feels a little bit like a step back is because it is a little bit lighter in its approach after we went through some pretty heavy downtrodden stuff to have more of, I call this more like of a party anthem and it's more like, I know what I'm about and I'm going to go get it kind of thing. Positive Jam is brought to you by Retro Gear Shop. We've been breaking down the Hold Steady's debut album, Almost Killed Me, track by track it's a classic album and delivers a classic sound. If you're looking to be more than a DJ and want to make your own classic sounds, you should check out Retro Gear Shop. Retro Gear Shop sells killer equipment, the sorts of gear that have shown up in the most legendary recording studios of the past 60 years. Sometimes they sell actual vintage items, like a collection from Puff Daddy Studio or Herbie Hancock's personal vocoder, which they have sold twice. There's a reason they've sold to artists like Aphex Twin, the Wu-Tang Clan, or Depeche Mode. Check it out at RetroGearShop.com, and if you make a purchase and use the discount code APJ10, as in a positive jam, you'll get 10% off your purchase for eligible items. That's RetroGearShop.com, R-E-T-R-O-G-E-A-R-S-H-O-P.com. Retro Gear I think so. Like I said, I do think there's some great lines. I was a teenage ice machine and then I was a Twin Cities trash bin. Those to me are the most lifter puller ish he gets on the album, which I didn't know when I first listened to it. But having then listened to some lifter puller stuff, kicking down the walls, the guy in the Kool Aid commercial, it just reminded me of 
the sort of stuff he would drop on the lifter polar albums and just sort of the abundant drug usage that's implied in that line. And then you had something more interesting to say about this, but I'll say just the part where they go, they got some new guy that looks just like Phil in it or stumble, but I think we're still in it. I always heard that I heard John Lennon somewhere in there. And then I thought who I thought was Stalin, but I think is still Lennon. So I, thought he, I thought there was like a random throw in of communist communist imagery forefathers in this song. And you know, the thing about music and poetry is you can evoke a sound without necessarily wanting that to be the meaning like you're allowed to have more than one meaning but i don't think he meant that i think i misheard it you had something more on point to say about phil about phil linnett yeah okay so my question and i haven't been able to find an answer to this is is the new guy who looks like phil linnett is it franz nikolai the keyboard player for the hold study they got some new guy that looks just like Bill Lennon, who was stumbling, but I think was still Lennon. I looked up pictures of Phil Lennon, and he's got this big, thick, black mustache. He has a big fro. Franz Nikolai also has a kind of a olive complexion, has a big, dark mustache, and they both have these kind of big, pretty eyes. So I think it's definitely the case that the person associated with the whole study who looks the most like Phil Linnett is France. I brought this theory up to a buddy of mine and he was like, the band never references itself. Craig is never actually talking about the band that's playing in front of you. I responded, well, I mean, the previous line, he says they're slipping soft rock into the set list now. I think that's a reference to a Lifter Polar album. That's what genius.com will support you on that. Yeah. Okay. So I've got genius on my side for that. So I think it's a mystery, but I'm pretty well convinced that this is a reference to Franz. And then we looked on Wikipedia. You said that Franz hadn't joined the band yet for the recording of Almost Killed Me. But according to Wikipedia, he guested on a few tracks. There are some piano tracks on the album. That would fit anyway. They've got some new guy. They got him in the middle of recording the album or in the middle of forming the band. What do you think, Daniel? I think it's plausible enough to to work as far as it sounds. I had always associated Franz Nikolai with the second album, which was 2005. Allmusic.com says Franz joined the band in 2005, but also says that he was a multi-instrumentalist and producer based in Brooklyn. So he may have jumped in on their records. They were record. They were in Brooklyn by now. So yeah, I think it's plausible. I think it's, I suspect that if you were looking for these sorts of lines hidden in the hold steady, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more while your friend's point is fair. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more references like this that are just kind of in there. Yeah. I mean, the risk is just, I think sometimes it, Phil Linnett rhymes with still in it and it's cool sounding. So there is a good reasonable chance that it's not a reference to a specific person. I think I come around at this point to the idea that, yeah, that's true, but I don't think Craig is the sort of lyricist to just put things together when he does a reference or just 
go for we we argued about the Tuscan Raiders, for example, and that's it's possible. I don't think he throws away references. Right. And he's not a symbolist. He's not just there for the sounds. I think he does he does enough work to get a good sound, but also if he's going to make a specific point, which is brings us back to Ebor City and you know, why Ebor City? I don't know. I, it would be great to I don't know if that came up in interviews and it would be great to just say, tell us what brought you down here to Ebor City. But that that to me, yeah, I think you have I think you have more of a case than the default, oh, it's just a random, random thing. It would just be, I mean, certain songs, it would really surprise me if that wasn't Franz playing. But that would be, I would be really interested to find out who it was. It just sounds so much like his work. But what do I know? I'm not a piano expert. Are you a piano expert, Daniel? I am not a piano expert in any degree. I can, I can play a little bit, but I can't do anything more. Do you look like Phil Linnett? Maybe we should talk. I I don't have the curly hair. I could probably do the dark mustache, but curly hair is beyond me. I don't I don't know if I have those nice eyes, Mike. I like I like that. It's a key connection here. I was trying to figure it out, and I think the eyes. I think they're look. I think they're relevant, or I wouldn't have brought it up. Wikipedia does support the idea that Franz Nicolay, as you said, makes a guest appearance. So okay, I think it's possible. All right. Well, I'm happy to leave that there. The only other thing I had to mention about the lyrical content is Craig Finn's affinity, affinity is the wrong word, his recurring reference to pornography and pornographic movies. I wouldn't say that he's very pro-porn for someone who talks about it a lot in his song lyrics. I think it fits in. So here we have the Rocco Sofredi. Rocco Sofredi is a very, I don't know how famous he is, but he's among male pornographic actors. He's got to be in the top 10 all time most famous. This comes up every once in a while. There are references to, you know, someone starring in a dirty movie or something else. Is it just what's his positioning with this? It's a weird, it's not something you get in a lot of songs is like a ton of references to porn or porn actors. Is it just underbelly type thing? It fits well with Florida and people do look like Rocco Sofredi in Tampa. What do you think? What's the positioning here? I don't, he doesn't come across as a porn enthusiast, I guess I would say. I think it's, yeah, I think it's the underbelly. It's the we are in the milieu of people who either associate with or look like or consume porn is what I would say in Hornets Hornets where it's messing up the line, but something about those bones for Jones videos or something like that. Oh, that's a skate video reference. That's not a porn reference. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately. Fair. (laughs) But I, I think it's just this sort of, we're talking about time where you're still, the character from a Hold Steady song certainly does not have a DVD player yet, is certainly trading old cassettes that were videotape copied from other cassettes. And so, yeah, I think it's more that. I think that's an important thing about art in general is what is mentioning Rocco Sofredi? Does that, it, you, have some, you have sort of inferred that he's not necessarily pro-porn, but then each choice you make as an artist and how much does it matter for somebody who's so thoughtful and who is 
such an accomplished lyricist, it is interesting without, we don't need to bleed the life out of it, but it is just fun to think about. Yeah. Well, I think we'll come back to the motif of porn a couple more times for better or worse. All right. Final thoughts, Daniel. Most people are DJs. Are you a DJ? You're a critic because everyone's a critic, but are you a DJ? I mean, I'm spinning at the house all the time. I don't have an audience, which probably makes me a very modern DJ. Yeah, I would say I'm a DJ in that sense. I try to make my own stuff too, but mostly I'm a DJ these days. You? I'm trying to make my own stuff, but I also, sad to say, am mostly a DJ. Most people are mostly DJs. Everything gets played. Everything gets played. I like the song. I do like the song. I think it's a. I do think it's like a half step below what's come before it, but it still is up to the level. It still connects to a lot of what comes after. I think it's a very, and you know, Ebor City. I we've learned a lot <laughs> about Ebor City tonight, and I'm glad for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it was one of my favorites on the album when I was first listening and I think it remains so, but I think I don't rate it as highly as I used to. I think it was a contender for my number one song on the album for a long time. Baby take off your beret just kills me. I also, it resonates with me very strongly when it's the content is kind of snotty and he's defining himself in opposition to these other people. So it it hit my sweet spot in my early to mid twenties for that reason. And maybe now I've mellowed a little bit. I've been out to, Tam- you know, I, I don't go to Ebor anymore. I go to St. Pete. <laughs> a little bit easier. Cruise around on the boat. I just don't have the same sort of adversarial approach anymore. That's good. That's good. It's but I, I, But I love this song. Yeah, acceptance of my DJ-ness. Yeah, exactly. We all become DJs eventually. We do. <laughs> all right let's let's yeah. leave it there yeah all right good stuff mike we're, right. we're gonna just cut it off just like the song so yeah exactly we should just thanks for listening all rights of song sampled belong to their original creators you can subscribe to a positive jam wherever you get podcasts if you like what we're doing please share with a friend or leave a review on apple This has been a Shortman Studios production. Get in touch, DM us at Shortman Studios on Twitter, or look Mike up at mbrooks-taylor, or me up directly at Daniel Shortman. Or email us at mail at shortmanstudios.com. Join us next week for the piano ballad of the album, Southern Song.